0: Down women with diluted dreams, a hope for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin it Hawkins, and you're listening to dies, Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the scenario. If you could go back in time. And change one event in your life just one wrong choice that led you to a path you shouldn't have gone down what would you choose be careful not to respond too quickly because doing so is like the game of Jenga if you act impulsively or forcefully the entire structure might collapse the word Jenga is derived from the Swahili word "kujenga," which means to build. When we look back over the entirety of our life, we realize that each choice or decision we have made has led us to where and what we are today. According to the website enlightened.com, over the course of our lives as human beings, we find ourselves building many things we build relationships careers homes friendships families and so much more and decisions we make such as who to marry where to live or whether or not to have children are the building blocks that establish our worlds and our lives So even though each choice is independently made, they are all interconnected, and therefore, any threat or force to one is a danger to all. So, considering all of this, now what change would you make? During the Summer of Sorrow, we could surmise that Sarah Atkins frequently pondered this very question. What would she have changed? Maybe she second guessed her decision to marry Henry Adkins. Perhaps she wished she had never left Kentucky. And possibly, just possibly, she might have wished she never had children. My guess is that Sarah wasn't alone in her anguish and suffering. Most likely, many other women were simultaneously struggling with the questions of why or what if. And most certainly, numerous families were grieving their own heartbreaking losses. At first, it was isolated, and then it became coincidental. But by the end of that summer, it became very clear. It began in mid-June, of 1949. Sarah and Henry Adkins had traveled from their home in Weeksbury, Kentucky, to Mansfield, Ohio. Upon their arrival, their three oldest children, all girls, were wearing laced matching dresses, frilly white socks, and patent leather shoes. Their youngest two children, Sonny, was about a year and a half old, and Scotty, barely four months, were dressed in matching light blue knit baby prams, complete with matching tam hats. Sarah was hoping this would be her family's last move between states, and she wanted to present her family in its best possible light as they settled into a one-room house owned by Henry's sister. After the hectic busyness of getting settled, Sarah soon noticed a change in baby Scotty's temperament and appetite. Over the next few days, he became more and more lethargic, so she tried treating him with home remedies of adding honey to his milk, giving him orange juice, and eventually buttermilk, but nothing seemed to help with his stomach issues. And on Saturday, July 2nd, as the neighborhood children and his older siblings played outside in the warm summer's air, the infant child, Clinton Scott Adkins, took his last breath and left this world. Recently, one of Scotty's older sisters recalled that heartbreaking day. She said that she and her two sisters were playing in the field by a nearby barn when one of their older cousins came running toward them. They were told to get home quickly because something bad had happened to the baby. The girls rushed back to their house and saw their mom, Sarah, running down the road with her hands waving in the air, screaming and crying for help. They ran into the house and there stood their grandpa holding their baby brother, telling them to kiss him goodbye before his soul passed on. While the scene at the house was erupting into chaos, Sarah flagged down a passing car and said that her baby was dying and she needed to get to the hospital right away. As the man and woman in the car tried to make sense of the situation, they soon realized that Sarah's child wasn't at the hospital but needed to get to the hospital. So they turned around and drove her back to her house. When they arrived, it was obvious that it was too late to seek help for Scotty. Sarah raced from the car, grabbed the lifeless body of her son, and fell to her knees. The child didn't go to the hospital that day. Instead, the county coroner arrived at their house that evening. Reportedly, he asked a few questions and then determined that Scotty probably had developed some type of gastrointestinal infection that his young body just wasn't able to fight off. And on Tuesday, July 5, 1949, four-and-a-half-month-old Scotty Adkins was buried in a light blue knit pram as his mom clutched his small tam hat in her trembling hands. In the Monday, July 4, 1949 edition of the News Journal, Mansfield's local newspaper, a Page 3 article reported that nearly 10,000 people living on the city's fringes were lacking adequate sewage services. The condition was termed a health hazard and a possible source of an outbreak of gastrointestinal diseases. County Health Commissioner Dr. Harry Wayne said that it would take an engineering survey and a great amount of study before any measure could be proposed to provide sanitary and storm sewers in the area. Too grieved by the death of her son, and mourning the loss of any future hopes and plans for Scotty. Sarah stayed inside her one-room house, stepping out only to fetch water at a local well or to wash laundry in an outdoor tub. Friends and relatives tried to console her. But what do you say to a mom whose heart was laid to rest with her infant? A mom who was probably racked with guilt for not safeguarding her child, and a mom who had to repeatedly assure her surviving children that their security and well-being were not at risk. One week later, tragedy struck just one street over as Rebecca K. Carroll. The 11-month-old daughter of Ruby and Alfred Carroll was rushed to Mansfield General Hospital, where she died the same day. Word spread fast throughout the neighborhood about two babies dying, one week and one road apart. But rumors spread even faster. In that Sarah's family had been in the area less than a month, folks speculated that that she brought a sick child into the neighborhood and criticized her decision to travel that far with an ill child disregarding the fact that the child was a normal healthy infant upon his arrival in Mansfield at this point with only two infant deaths to report no alarm bell was sounded and given the fact that it happened outside of the city limits No immediate concern was raised by county officials. But on July 22nd, less than three weeks from the date of Scotty Adkins' death, a third child, whose family lived around the corner from the Carroll family, died at the age of 11 months. Monty J. Brown, the son of Wilma and Charles Brown, suffered the very same malady, and did not live long enough to celebrate his first birthday. Nearly a week later, on page 15 of the local paper, an article was published entitled, Sees New Outbreak Possible. The story quoted the county's health commissioner as saying that the recent outbreak of gastrointestinal diseases in Country Club Allotment number 3 which was the official name of Little Kentucky, was unlikely to spread throughout the entire city. And the likelihood of a pandemic is not great, but there are sure to be sporadic cases across the city. He went on to say that any person living within those fringe areas is a potential carrier who could spread germs to anyone they came in contact with. As residents across Mansfield grew more worried about the threat of a citywide pandemic, local officials struggled with finding a quick and effective means to address the problem. And with the July 31st death of LaVon Gray Helmick, the 22-day-old son of Martin and Jean Helmick, and the fourth child in the Hannah Road area to die within the month, Health Commissioner Wayne ordered a full investigation of the condition of the Helmick home to determine if the cause of death could be attributed to the outbreak in the country club allotment or if it was due to his premature birth. Dr. Wayne reiterated that the outbreak, which caused the death of the other three children, had been brought under control, but he emphasized that recurrences could happen at any time. In an area less than two-tenths of a mile from one another, four families were grieving the loss of a precious infant child, and panic was setting in across Richland County, Ohio. The area health officials ordered the closing of several wells in the Hannah Road area. They were immediately sealed, and the entire neighborhood was then sprayed with the insecticide d commonly known as DDT. Before summer's end, several more women would say a final goodbye to one of their children. Water down women with diluted dreams a home for joy has been washed down the stream Grab a shovel and join me each Monday As we dig a little deeper And uncover the tragedies of watered-down women In the cemetery Weekend in life While searching for love With no help from above